Transitions are exhausting. So many things change, you end up feeling lost. You can find yourself questioning your relevance and even your worth. Whether you're gaining a new surname or going to a new situation, there are two things I want you to know. First, your roles in life will change, but your purpose is eternal. Second, God has a plan for your life and the enemy has a plot against that plan. I'm Sherry Fletcher, and this is Your Spiritual Game Plan, the podcast for those in a season of transition. And I'm so glad you're here. Stick around and let's work on a spiritual game plan together. Today, I will be interviewing a very special guest, my husband, Todd Fletcher. Todd will be sharing the experience he shared with his staff and families when a nursing home that he helped manage became what is now known as the epicenter of the coronavirus. Our family was by his side and we got to witness what the media did not show you. And that was his servant leadership, the heroic staff and the amazing stories of community support. I have to say that I have been blessed not only to witness that for the last 30 years, but to also be the recipient of it as well. So today I get to give you a glimpse into the backstory of our lives during those first few days, weeks, months, and now years that have changed history and introduce you to my husband and the president of Life Care Centers of America, Todd Fletcher. I have a very special guest on the show. I would like to welcome the one and only, my husband, Mr. Todd Fletcher. How are you today? Doing fine. This is the first interview I've ever done uh, with you and certainly in my pajamas. <laughs> so I hope that's okay. I'm glad this is not on video. Exactly. Because we're both in our pajamas on this Sunday morning and I'm excited because, uh, yeah, this is the first time I've been able to interview my husband. I have never interviewed my husband, so it's actually kind of nerve wracking. I think I'm more nervous to interview than any you than anyone else. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. And happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So Todd, I would love it if you would maybe introduce yourself and tell my guests a little bit about you. Well, let's see. So this has been a very different phase of our lives, obviously moving to Tennessee and taking on the, the new roles um, here with life care. And so we've spent some of our off time exploring, you know, small towns in Tennessee, um, kind of learning a new rhythm to life, which has been really interesting and fun actually. Um, I like to do a little bit of golf, uh, during my downtime when I have time and I'm actually terrible at that, but it's fun and relaxing. Um, I do enjoy the, the difference in weather patterns out here in Tennessee. We have a little more warm weather, so we're able to do that and just meeting new people, um, love the culture here and meeting the great people of Tennessee has become kind of a fun pastime for us. Yeah, it has been fun. It has been enjoyable. So I usually open by asking my guests the same question, but I'm going to do it a little differently today because we're going to dissect my main question throughout 
the uh, interview. And that question is looking back in your life, how far back can you look and see the very purpose you are living out today in who you've always been? And I asked that question because this is a show that helps people understand that our purpose is not found in the roles in which we serve. Our purpose is actually to glorify God with the calling he created us for. And we will use that calling in each role God places us in so that we can glorify him. So our roles in life will change, but our purpose is eternal. And I think it's Safe to say that in the last two years, your roles have changed significantly, and we will share that today because your calling, that of servant leadership, is who you've always been. And I know that at a very young age, you were very careful and conscientious of doing things well and thinking things through to the best of your ability, and that's something that you have always done very well. So let's start off um, with your story, because it is one that uh, a lot of people know well, but maybe if you're tuning in for the first time today, you do not know what uh, my husband's story is. So let's start off with that day in February of 2020 and walk us through how you felt and what was running through your mind when you got that call that a patient in your nursing home had tested positive for what we now know is called the coronavirus. Yeah, so... I was in Southern California the week, uh, well, the last week of February, and went to bed the night of February 28th, which was a Friday night, and was going to spend the next day with our middle son, Charlie, there in Southern California, where he was going to school, and was going to have a good day with him uh, that day. But Friday night at 11.28 on February 28th, I started receiving a call from our Northwest leader, Nancy Butner, that and took her a couple of times to call me because I was very sound asleep. But when I did answer the phone, she said, you know, Todd, we've got a coronavirus patient up here in our Kirkland, Kirkland nursing home, and she has tested positive at the hospital. So that's when, you know, everything, everything changed uh, with that moment. We, we had at least two conference calls during the night. This was before the days that I understood Zoom. I think Zoom was definitely a, a company and a product that was out there, but uh, we were still using conference call lines at that point. And we had a few conference calls over the next few hours uh, with our leadership team. So uh, yeah, it was game on from there. We didn't even understand what coronavirus was, but what were you? What were your thoughts? Like, were you thinking through what? What does this mean? What are the next steps? Um, what were your feelings on mm -hmm. what you'd have to do? Mm -hmm. Well, we we definitely had heard of coronavirus, and we had begun steps in our nursing homes to to mitigate that, and make sure that we what we knew of infection control at the time that we had our systems in place. Um, and my understanding was this was another version of the flu, which we have definitely dealt with the flu before. So had no idea at the time that this was going to change the world uh, the way it did and definitely change our world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you and I ended up getting a hotel in Kirkland for the first few days thinking, because this, this isn't going to last very long. So we'll just, we'll get a hotel and we'll um, stay up here close to the nursing home because we lived about an hour um, from it. And um, we were even talking prior to getting on to record this um, 
this morning. And one of the words that we even used this morning was surreal. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. Yeah, it was very surreal. The, the the next morning on February 29, I caught the first flight I could get out of Orange County to fly back to Seattle, which was our home at the time, and and quickly went and changed clothes and, and got my way up to Kirkland and realized pretty quickly the interest that the press had and what had happened since we had a COVID positive patient. Of course, at that time, we could not test for COVID. Um, there had been some tests authorized in our local hospital, Evergreen Hospital there in Kirkland, and they had tested two patients. One was our patient who was there in the hospital, and both patients that they tested ended up positive for COVID. Um, so it was very surreal uh, at the time, mainly at that time because of the interest that that our whole nation had on what was happening there locally in our nursing home and in the local hospital. Yeah, since nobody understood what was going on and we were kind of the first uh, people that this was happening to, everyone was watching to see what was going to happen. And it it felt so hopeless um, for even me to watch you going into that nursing home every day alongside your workers while the media was there making it sound like you guys were not doing enough. And what the media did not show was the outpouring of support. Um, Tell us what the community was like. Like there was local church out there and the majority of the family that the staff was there to support you guys. Take us down the hallways and tell, show us, tell us what the media was not showing us. Well, very quickly, we realized that we needed to close that nursing home to outside visitors. And so that created its own challenges. It created a lot of fear, of course, by folks from folks who could not get in. Uh, Our families of our residents were of course concerned for their loved ones um, that were in the nursing home there. So we were spending 95%, 99% of our time caring for patients, staffing the building, trying to make sure we had everything we needed um, for that facility. Meanwhile, there was just a, of course, a firestorm outside the building, trying to figure out what was happening inside the building. And there was all of the local authorities that were interested, the state authorities, the federal authorities, um, and then the media covering that. And a very short amount of time, meaning the first few days, uh, that firestorm just began to increase. So there was everything happening outside the building, and then there was everything happening inside the building. And I guess that's when we realized, and, you know, we received some counsel from some very wise people, uh, friends and company staff that said, decided we were going to need some professional help with the media um, in terms of a spokesman. So we were able to obtain that, and that really helped. Um, And then we were able to focus internally on what was happening inside the building. What I loved was, um, you know, being able, since I was able to talk to you, um, was being able to hear your stories and see some of the pictures that you would send me in text messages of cards. Um, There was a church there that was able to feed you. Tell me the story about that, the church and what they were, what they did for you guys on a daily basis. Yeah, so that was that was really an amazing 
thing that I witnessed. And it took me, I think, a couple of days to realize what was happening because food just kept showing up, which we were very grateful for. And all of a sudden it did dawn on me, where is this coming from? Where is all this food coming from? And um, I learned that there was a local church called North Shore Community Church who organized a meal train and they publicized that meal train. And then that took off in the community and people began signing up for the meal train that weren't even members of the church. So that went on for at least a couple of months, maybe three months, um, that they would bring food uh, to the staff for all shifts. And it wasn't, it wasn't cheap food. It wasn't just, you know, here's some, here's a cheap box of pizza. It was high-end food. And uh, one of the neat things of that community is you can find high-end food in the Kirkland community. It's a, it's wonderful that way. So yeah, that was just one story of support. We had others as well. One lady decided that because of the focus the national media had, she was going to put uh, blue ribbons on trees in Kirkland to show the support. And then she just, she plastered those blue ribbons all over the trees in front of the building there at, at Kirkland. So again, the outside the outside folks could not come in and the inside staff couldn't receive support from the outside without these visual signs of care and support that, that people showed. So that was just incredible. And that story was never really told um, by the national media. You know, their focus was on the fact that ambulances were coming and going which for us is a sign of, you know, the immediate care that our patients were receiving, um, that they were actually receiving the care that they needed uh, when they were taken to the hospital. So anyway, it was, it was very, very helpful, that local support that we received. So some of those stories never really got told. And I just remember pictures of cards lining the hallway. Um, right. And there was a lady, she tied ribbons. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we decided um, that we would just take the cards, the sympathy cards or care <laughs> cards that, that schools would send and different people would send. And we would just, actually, we just did something we've never done before. We just began stapling things to the walls. Um, and to see the staff standing out there and reading those cards, it was, it was very supportive for them and very meaningful for them because we couldn't see outside people. We had no, we had nobody coming into the building to help other than our own internal teams of staff. And so to see how others were caring for them was, was very, very helpful. Yeah. And so that, that's, what's so important just, you know, to, to see what's going on inside and to see um, what the community and the, and the families and the support did um, that the media wasn't showing us. And one thing that I admired so much was that um, you didn't and you still don't take credit for how much you gave of yourself during that time, um, which is the definition of a servant leader. Um, you did not serve from home. A lot of people, you know, this is a time and we're still serving from home where we had to serve from home. Um, but in this industry, in this industry, um, healthcare, they don't have the option to serve from home. They have to get in there and serve in the field and sacrifice. And you were in that building for four months. 
um, and you didn't get COVID um, in while you were in that building, you did not get COVID. Um, we ended up moving as a result of, of all of this. And yet um, you have still been able to show your true leadership by pointing out where God has been with our family all along the way. We have, you and I have seen so much of God's um, hand in our lives and in our family and being able to be thankful for all the opportunities of his protection. Um, but you, this has been such an amazing witness in our family and in our coworkers. Um, and I, and it hasn't been unnoticed. It hasn't been unnoticed in our family. One of the coworkers said that you were in that facility every day for weeks. You would arrive at the facility before everyone else. You'd stay after everyone left for the day. You were both protective and supportive of your staff and that there was no other person that they would have rather worked with during a crisis. How have you been able to see God supporting you through this experience and um, giving you strength as a leader throughout this? Yeah, well, that's a pretty deep question, Sherry. <laughs> uh, you know, I definitely was strengthened by my faith. You know, I learned a lot, um, even through this, about the importance of, of our mental mindset and reminding ourselves of our purpose um, and what we are here to do. And, and along with that, just besides, I guess, the the long walks at three or four in the morning that I would take mm -hmm. to uh, get some fresh air, um, you know, seeing the inspiration or experiencing the inspiration from the team there uh, inside that building really did carry me for certain, carry me through those days. And, and actually, you know, you said I was there after, after people went home, but uh, there's always staff there in the building 24-7, holidays, doesn't matter what time of day. So there's always people there to support and to help and uh, three shifts a day through the night. And we had some incredible people. We had, you know, a few people that even came from here in Tennessee. One of our, one of our rehab leaders came out and spent three weeks working the night shift. Uh, he's a, he's a physical therapist and he was able to to take that time and was a tremendous leader for us on our night shifts. Um, so everybody pitched in in their mm -hmm. own way. And sometimes for me, it was just getting coffee or lunch for, for the staff. So yeah, it was just, it was an honor actually. It was an honor to be there with them. You know, one of the events that we got to go back for was the one year um, anniversary. And again, um, unfortunately, that that wasn't covered by the media. Um, but there were a lot more families that were um, calling you guys heroes and champions than there were the the very few that the media liked to focus on that were angry. And at that at that one year anniversary, you had so many people show up to thank you guys and um, and and you know, share how, even if their loved one passed away, you guys did all that you could. What were some of the memories um, of the staff that worked hard, that, that touched the families during that time that, that made an impact on you? Well, as we look back um, over the past couple of years, of course, context, context and timing, uh, we learn a lot from that context. And 
uh, I had somebody tell me, you know, a new friend, um, our, he, his name was Tim, Tim Killian. He was our media consultant. He really helped me think about that at the time and, and said, you know, Todd, we may be still learning about this a year from now. And I thought, my goodness, a year from now, we, we need to be through this in the next <laughs> few weeks. Um, and so I think as people think back about it and as they thought back about it and they realized that it, that COVID was coming to America and it was going to hit somewhere, it was going to hit somebody somewhere and the vulnerable population that it chose at the time was ours there in Kirkland. And so, um, I think a lot of people realized that and and wanted to thank that team. And so that was that was great. You know, you, you always mourn the lives that were lost. And, you know, there was there was also staff, you know, staff lives that were lost in our industry. Um, fortunately, staff lives were not lost there in Kirkland. But in the industry, there definitely have been. And so patients and staff lives, we always keep at the forefront of our minds too, as we've learned and have to continue to learn through this. Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, I like to dissect that question about being able to see God's purpose being lived out through you today by looking back and seeing it all throughout your life. And I know God wove those character traits in you for that time in the nursing home for those patients and the staff. And even now as you've handled these reporters and, you know, you still come home to us and you still maintain this control. Your leadership has always been one of servanthood and that has gone beyond the workplace to impact many lives. One past employee wanted me to let you know that outside of his own family, you have had the greatest impact on his leadership skill and that he gives you much credit for where he is in his life, in his career. He says you are humble and yet have an undying resolve to succeed and see others succeed. How have you seen the nursing home in Kirkland come back stronger and the staff succeed and grow? And how has that experience helped you grow as a leader? Well, I think, I think resiliency is one word that, you know, really comes to mind. It's been um, incredible resiliency by that staff in particular, but just anybody who works in the healthcare industry and has been through what we've been through in particular, because the whole world has been through this, but the healthcare workers have been through their own, their own version of it. Um, And we've all seen the inspiring stories of what nurses and doctors um, and ancillary staff have been through over the past couple of years. And unfortunately that labor pool has shrunk and we've got to work hard now to rebuild it. But those inspiring stories of people who have stuck with it um, really carry the rest of us uh, and strengthen us as we move forward. So we've been married 30 years and I actually got to see you start in your very first nursing home back in Barstow, California. So you've been managing nursing homes for over 30 years. What is the difference in Kirkland and what did it teach you? You know, one thing I think that people don't realize or enough people don't realize is that our our nursing facilities in this industry, uh, is a, they can be a very happy place. There's a lot of fun. The staff 
they wouldn't be involved in in this kind of work if they didn't find it gratifying um, and they're able to serve their purpose in life of helping people and care for caring for God's people and and Kirkland was just so different from the beginning because it it did get very scary very dark early on um, we were dealing with something that we never had dealt with before. The whole world was dealing with a pandemic. And, and so to be at the epicenter of that was just an experience like no other. I hope I never have to experience it again. But we did learn how important, again, God's leading can be in our lives and the strength that we receive from that. So it was definitely not our own strength that we were drawing from during that time. And, and we hope to continue to, to learn those lessons, but, but look back on that time as um, something that carries us through and into the future. Yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I think about when I think about that time. Yeah, it's great. So thank you for joining me in my basement in your pajamas today. Absolutely, this was fun. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you uh, enjoyed my time with Todd. And I just want to wish my father and my father-in-law a very happy Father's Day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I don't want you to miss out on anything. So when you sign up for my email, you will get details on how to start your own spiritual game plan, the latest news on the Bible study I'm working on, and also a glimpse behind the scenes of things that don't make it onto this podcast. So head on over to sherryfletcher.com and click join Sherry at the top of the screen. And I look forward to connecting with you there.